0: You've built like a $70 million business yeah. over the last four or five years.
1: I almost quit probably five times.
0: Entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, it's like, man, is this how life is?
0: 70 so. million later, are you mad at it?
1: I made 10K in a week and I was like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. That's what I was missing for like three years. And a couple days later I had 30K and I was like, oh shit. I was like this, I'm gonna be rich. <laughs>
0: What is this thing with men that take women through this emotional hell before yeah, they idi- want to idiots. give them emotional bliss? We're
1: idiots. I don't know, maybe it's just like the alpha male in me, but I'm just like, oh, if she finds another guy, that's great, but she probably won't. Think, nope, like, she will.
0: Yeah, like, I think, <laughs> well, and don't get Let me-, me tell you She Welcome to another episode of Full Transparency with Donnie Wiggins, where I give you a fly on the wall perspective into entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurs who are doing the entrepreneuring. And today I am super excited because I have a guest that will be brand new to our platform. I had an opportunity to learn about and meet this gentleman for the first time at uh, an event last year. And now he is on our sofa. So let's give it up and welcome Tanner Shadester. Is it shidester or chidester? It's
1: close, Chidester. 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 It's a chidester. tough one. No, if, if you got it right, it's massive bonus. But it's tough. It's a tough. one. I point.
0: really wanted to get that right, <laughs> Tanner tough. Chidester.
1: Yeah, and when I was a, when I was younger, they actually used to joke with me and say Chidester, you know. So it was it was real. It was rough at times. That's but, how
0: I'm gonna remember this. Yeah, that's Tanner how you shit, Chidester. <laughs> 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 We're fully transparent on the full transparency <laughs> podcast. So. Yeah. I was explaining to you um, earlier that I enjoy uh, digging into the journey of entrepreneurs without, like, uh, you know, obviously we do a double check and make sure everybody's, like, a good guest to have and introduced to the audience. But I'm really excited to hear about your story and learn about the things that you've done.
1: Well, yeah, thanks for having me. I I, uh, came out here just for this, so I'm super excited to be here.
0: I saw, okay, low-key, I just looked at your stories not too long ago, and I saw that you posted... I am headed to Atlanta for a big podcast. Yeah. And I was like,
1: oh, ah! yeah, that's, a, that's why I'm here 100%. So thanks for having me.
0: I love it. I love it. So let's talk about it. What do you, first of all, what do you do?
1: Yeah. So, in short, I help people scale their online businesses. I started off in the fitness industry and mm-hmm. um, I loved fitness. I want to play in the NFL and I did a little bit of modeling, went into bodybuilding. But as I did excel in that, I had all these trainers start asking me for help. And I had this massive list, and I was 25, and I saw a dollar signs, So I started helping, and then that got big. And so now I really do a lot of business consulting. I have some different companies, but that's, in short, what I help most people do.
0: So you're not just focused on fitness industry anymore. Mm. You help every online they just digital business owner
1: yeah and i think i'm not sure if it was the right decision but at the time it just it we would get leads that were not in fitness like oh you only help trainers and so my short-term thinking was okay let's start helping everyone which there's pros and cons to that Mm -hmm. uh but yeah any any it's all it's similar concepts you know it's similar concepts i think the differences is more of like what they say on the sales call or how they do their marketing like the pillars and things like that but overall i mean it online is online it's very similar concepts across the board
0: what I just got from that um, is, first of all, you've built like a $70 million business yeah. over the last four or five years.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: And you led with, I'm not sure if that was the right decision. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> accidentally, uncertainly navigated into $70 million, yeah. not being sure. Why do you feel like there's some unsure uh, uncertainty there?
1: Well, it's more about it's more about competition, right? So when you niche down, the downside is sometimes it can be a little smaller market, but there's less people doing it. And that's your competitive advantage where, you know, it's a specialized doctor, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. they only do eyes, they only do hearts. So I just think sometimes when you kind of help everyone, it dilutes you a little bit and Mm -hmm. there's more competition. Um, At the time though, what was funny is when we expanded, it was right when COVID was hitting. So we were just every month just crushing like probably adding six figures top line every month for a long time and so I just saw it I at the time it made sense but now on the back end I'm like huh it because it creates complexity and fulfillment creates more complexity in marketing you have to do more things Mm. and so ultimately the businesses they get more complex as you build them naturally because the teams get bigger there's more ads etc and so I think by keeping it simpler from the beginning is better, and so that's the only reason I say that is because there's more complexity that I created by working with more clients than just working with one client. Created
0: more work and harder processes for yourself. Correct.
1: Yeah. yeah or yeah. I,
0: listen, I get it. I don't know if you know that I'm a business coach too.
1: Yeah. No. I. I, I mean, I saw you with Neil. I was like, she's got to be doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> he does a ton of stuff too.
0: Yeah. And and I um I faced a similar challenge. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, I coached all entrepreneurs right. um, who were operating both digit, online and offline. And then I said, you know what? I kind of like working with online entrepreneurs. So I went into that space. And then as I was working with online entrepreneurs and working specifically with like product-based companies, um, I, worked, I worked with, at first, entrepreneurs who were at the beginning of their journey. Right. And what I learned very quickly was that uh, product-based entrepreneurs did not have the money to market and buy inventory and so there was like a bottleneck in mm-hmm. that process. So I completely stopped working product based businesses and I went into serving just online coaches. Yep. Well, yeah. now over the years that we've created a lot of success with these coaches, I'm now attracting. Uh, these product-based businesses, Again. and even brick and mortar. But now they're making money. I'm, I'm attracting companies that are sure. already generating some consistent revenue. So I'm going back into that space. I've recently taken on some clients, and I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's easier when they're more established. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely more established. So we we have tiers in our program. And I think sometimes the downside of running ads, because you are talking about that earlier, the downside is that you, ha- you have to be sometimes less picky because mm-hmm. you have all these added costs. So one of the upsides that is great when you just get only organic clients, you can say no a lot easier because there's no additional costs that are involved. And so when you're running ads, you you're, you know, if you spend 200 grand, you got to make at least 200 grand. Mm, you know, and plus there's, plus all the other costs with the team. So um, it's definitely easier when the clients I'd say at least doing 10 K a month because then they have a little bit of insight on, okay, they have a little bit of sales. They have a little bit of marketing when they're starting from scratch. Those are obviously the hardest to move because the rocks not moving at all. I mean, it's at a standstill. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd agree with that. I mean, that's the goal is like get the higher level clients.
0: Yeah. I wish I could run ads. (laughs) Facebook disables every account that I try to start. They've got me like, I'm like, okay, um, so what happened was uh, at the height of COVID, all of my social media was hacked, right? Oh, fun. This is 2019 going right into 2020. Uh-huh. Um, all social media is hacked. And so I'm like, oh, no problem. I'll just create all new accounts. So I had to create a new Instagram, a new Facebook. Well, I didn't know at that time that you can't just like create a new Facebook page and then go straight into trying to run ads. And right. that was my first time attempting to run yeah. an ad. And it was also an election year. And they're like, ma'am.
1: Yeah, that was, I do remember <laughs> when the election was happening. They were shutting everything down. It was very wild.
0: So they were like, no, ma'am, right? And not to mention when my pages got hacked and uh, deleted, whoever hacked me was putting up like child pornography. Oh. So Facebook may have connected some dots and they won't let me run ads.
1: Oh. So I got one to up you on that. So this year... Um, I had someone, they sent out phishing emails and people on my team are clicking the emails. No. So then they hack our account and what they do is they'll change out the links to their product and they run the ads up. So I, I lost this year at least so far a hundred grand from ads and the Facebook support is the worst in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Zuckerberg really needs to fix that. And I can't get a refund. Mm. Uh, the, I can't refund. I can't do anything. Um, they're like, I, f- I don't know if I just say this or not, but there's some guys who do like black hat stuff where what they'll do is they'll be able to somehow help you charge back and then be able to reinstate your account. Cause the issue with Facebook is if you charge back, they'll shut your account down. down, yeah. even if you're in the right. And so I've been going through that process right now, but yeah, I had someone literally send emails to my team. They're clicking on it. They hack the account, run it up. And so they're usually running products too. So they just get all these free impressions. And then by the time we notice
0: It's too late and we
1: can't, if we charge back, they're going to shut the account now and that's going to, you know, that's not good for my business. So anyways, I, I totally can relate to what you're talking about and it's not fun.
0: Yeah. You talked a little bit about how you got started in coaching from your own experience. Did you see this like growing up? First of all, where are you from?
1: Uh, So I was born in Utah, but I was raised in Houston.
0: Okay. Yeah. And did you see entrepreneurship for yourself? Like, no. No,
1: no. So I, so I'm a. No one in my family has ever had a business at all.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: dad was a teacher. My mom stayed at home. There were seven kids, so I'm one of seven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just wanted to play in the NFL from a young age because I got bullied a lot as a kid. And then Light receiver. No, 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 no. I was bigger. I know I look like a receiver now. <laughs> I'm like skinny Jim now. But no, I at the time I was a linebacker. So no I'm like, way. Yeah, I was like, like two thirty. Right now I'm like one ninety. I was like two thirty.
0: I need to see the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not given. Ever no, I was. I would just
1: eat everything. Okay. like everything. And then, um, so what happened is I got bullied young as a child and I started going to this uh, gym before school. And after about three months, all of a sudden everyone stopped messing with me. I started getting compliments. I started doing it well at sports. So I'm like this is kind of nice. Okay. Right. And I think that's actually what helped me a lot in entrepreneurship because I didn't understand why, oh man, just some people are so mean. I just don't get it. Like for no reason, but it actually helped me. And then I was like, I want to play in the NFL. So my whole 12 to 22, it was all sports, like all sports. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the D1 level, got hurt a lot. And I also don't know if I was good enough. I played with some first round draft picks and they were just so much better than everyone else. It was like, like, if you think you're kind of close to another guy, you're not like a first round draft pick. Like, it's so obvious who's better. Yeah. And then I had a mentor convinced me to drop out of school because the convo was very simple. Like we had lunch. He goes, dude, are you okay? I was like, not really like football's over. I don't really know what to do with my life engineering is kind of boring. I had great grades, Mm -hmm. but he said, well, you know, why are you doing it? I said, well, I just want to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And he started laughing. I'm like, well, that's something I'm missing. And he said, well, I mean, it's like 120 grand a year. I was like, that's a lot of money. I know it is for a lot of people, but he said, well, how much do you want to make? I was like millions. Well, there's a lot easier ways to make millions than engineering. And so he convinced me to drop out and I started working at his office for free every day. And I just learned all the basics about online marketing in general. And it took me a few years to really pick it up, but that's how I got into it. I, I mean, no one in my family knew anything about business. I could look at a subway. I couldn't even tell you how subway made money. I, it was so <laughs> over my head. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I got into it. And I mean, I've never looked back.
0: What kind of engineering were you studying?
1: Petroleum.
0: I was a chemical yeah. engineer. Yeah. So yeah. I mean,
1: very, it's up there. It's difficulty. It's very hard. Um, yeah. and I did petroleum just cause I know chemical is good too, but I said petroleum gets a little more money and I was from Houston. Yeah. There's a lot of oil down there. True. True. Uh, but, but you know, that's, when football ended I realized wow I'm only doing this to play football I hated it mm-hmm. I mean I hated it and I had great grades but it just I started thinking man is this the rest of my life I think that was what was so depressing as I football kind of gave me my purpose right and that was yeah. like the goal and then when that ended I just was like man is this how life is
0: 70 so. million later are you mad at it
1: no no I mean it's <laughs> it's it's funny how it worked out. It's funny how it worked out. And it's funny because during that time, I almost quit probably five times.
0: Entrepreneurship? Yeah.
1: So 22 to 25, I only made two grand and 25 till now, you know, it's even more than 70 now, but most of it's in the last four years. Cause the first year I only made a million. Right. And so then it, there's huge jumps, but yeah, during those three years, the issue was that I was selling low priced products mm-hmm. and I was really good at sales, but I thought the way you got rich was you just put a link in your bio and everyone clicked it. That's Mm -hmm. how I thought. And you got famous, right? And then come to find out that's just obviously not how business works. So yeah, the first three years I was, I mean, working 16 hours a day between a full-time job and trying to get my business off the ground. I just, it was going nowhere. And so I'd call my mentor probably, I don't know, every six months. Mm -hmm. And he just like, just keep going. I'm just like, Everyone's telling me to quit. He's like, just keep going. And I like to think I have a pretty strong mindset, but if he wasn't there, I would have quit. And so that's what's crazy now as I look at my life now and look at what it would have been if I had quit. That's the scary part.
0: Because yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, the difference in income is I mean dramatic. For I mean, sure. It's
0: huge. You said that the link thing wasn't how you got rich. You learned oh, that. Yeah. How do you get rich?
1: Um
0: what was that t- what was the turning point? Yeah. For you.
1: So the first thing was that I thought customers come to you. And then someone said, well, no, you need to reach out to them. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you need to message people. And for whatever reason, I just thought, oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought people just bought your stuff. So I started reaching out to people.
0: Like in the DMs? Yeah,
1: DMs, yeah. And get them on a call. And then obviously when you're on a call, it's way easier to sell high-priced stuff. So I got people on a call and I made 10K in a week. And I was like, oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm that's what I was missing for like three years. And then once I started ramping that process up, I started realizing, okay, so I can't scale this because I, you know, I can only DM so much a day. I actually ironically started getting arthritis in the like knuckles of my fingers what? because it was so, the doctor's like, what are you doing all day? I'm like, you know this. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that I actually saw Billy Jean's ads and I remember seeing Billy Jean's ads. It's, he doesn't live there anymore, but it was his little San Diego home. And I remember thinking, man, like, what is this guy doing that I'm not doing? And it was obviously paid ads. And so then I went on the journey of, okay, for me to scale, I have to get more leads at a faster clip. And there's only two ways. You either go viral organically
0: Mm
1: -hmm. or you do paid traffic. And for me, I said, that's a faster path. So I put all my time and attention around that. And then what happened was I was trying to build, you know, the perfect webinar, like Russell Brunson, if anyone knows him. And I was trying to make all these great ads and people would click and then nothing would happen. They wouldn't book calls. And I just couldn't figure out what to do. And I was probably 50K in the hole with coaches, probably 10K a piece.
0: Mm-hmm. That you were investing in That I was paying, yeah. And, and, okay. and,
1: my, and I was paid about another 20, 30K on ads. And my dad, I remember my dad looking at me and going, you know, Tanner, if you just saved all that money, be way more rich than you keep paying these coaches. But I couldn't get my dad to understand. I said, dad, like I can't sustain this effort because I was messaging Probably two hundred people a day for six months. I mean, and it just you just get worn down. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just physically wearing me down. But I was so scared of being poor that I wouldn't let up, right? I just kept going. And so uh one day I get really upset, like very upset. And when I get upset, it's not very pretty. Um and I you know, it's my football anger comes out. And so I called one of the coaches and I said, You know, hey man, like you told me this was different, it's pretty much similar and I I always would look at me first, but I I just was like, there's no way these other people are working as hard as me, right? And he just challenged me and said, well, I'll give you a refund or you can, you know, suck it up and do the work. So anyways, I was kind of like, F, you know, I was kind of like in my head, like F this guy, I'm going to show him. So I go back to my computer and I kind of sit there and all the ads we had ran had gone through Messenger so this is when I don't know if you remember ManyChat when it came of out. Course. Okay, so ManyChat came out like 2018, 17. Anyways, so at the time, Messenger ads were kind of hot, but everyone was trying to automate it with the bots, right? And so all these people were sitting in there, and I said, "Dude, I'm gonna follow up with all these people." So I started messaging hundreds of leads that had come through my ads. And a couple days later had 30 K and I was like, Oh shit. I was like, it was kind of another aha moment. And I was like this, I'm going to be rich. Like I was like, this is the thing. And so I just started cranking those ads as fast as I could start hiring people. And then we just rinse to repeat that process. And even to this day, that's one of our main strategies because what it does is it takes pressure off being perfect at marketing Mm. and it's just driving leads in. And then I'm so good at sales with conversations and getting people to see, where their bottlenecks are. Um, Cause I did door-to-door sales. That probably door-to-door sales was probably the best thing that I ever did. It was the hardest. I actually think that is harder than building $70 million company. Door-to-door sales is so
0: hard. For freaking sure.
1: It's so hard, but um, that's how I did it. And yeah. so to this day, I, I, you know, I try to make the best webinars and VSLs and all those things, but I'd be lying to you if that's like why I've been successful. I mean, and that's the other thing I liked about it is when I started helping clients, you got to remember most of them suck at that. And it's Mm -hmm. very hard to teach someone how to be good on camera, how to be good at speaking. And so I was like, you know, if I can just show them how to drive leads into messenger Mm -hmm. and have convos and what to say in the convo and then what to say on the calls, the success rate goes through the roof. Yeah, it's just a lot, it's a lot easier skill to learn than how to be good on camera. I mean, some people are awful, right? I'm not the best on camera, but you can, you can see some people are like, dude, that is, that's rough. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. bad. Real bad. Do
0: you do your own sales calls?
1: (laughs) I don't. Um, so I did at the beginning, obviously mm-hmm. to scale, but you, you build a team around those processes. And I think that's the, that was, you know, one of the best days of my life. I've been on a few since I got back in the country. Cause I traveled, I left and basically disappeared for six months and so since I came back there's been a couple issues that I've been kind of addressing by leading from the front but typically I don't do any sales calls I'm just managing the team so Mm -hmm. like hiring training building the team making sure because ultimately as a CEO when you get big enough it's how good your team is it's not what you can do because you just don't have enough time to do everything
0: one of the hardest things though for people who have high ticket products um, to do is finding good salespeople. oh yeah what's your strategy there
1: well, one is you have to be good at sales. I, I I mean, the issue with most people is they're not good at sales and they think they're going to outsource it to someone. But the problem is most of the people who are really good at sales run their own companies. Right? Yeah. So you have to be very good to start. And then you have to understand that managing a salesperson to start is a lot of work. So what most people do is they'll hire someone. They bring them in. They show them the script and a couple of calls and they say, good luck. <laughs> yeah, like, don't, don't ever talk to me again. I'm like, you have to train them a lot. And so when I bring on a new sales guy, what I'll do is first they'll listen to all the recorded calls. They'll have a script. They do a tryout. We'll give them a practice call. Practice call would be a call we'd usually cancel. So like maybe they don't have funds or, you know, I got to wait three months. We're like, cool, just take that call. We'll listen to that before we even give them a tryout. Once they do that, we'll bring them in and say, cool, we're going to give you X amount of calls and I'll see who improves. So I did this recently where I brought in four guys at the same time and two guys were far and beyond better. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus my efforts on those guys. And then mm-hmm. I, I just drill with them. Yeah. And I teach them objection handling, et cetera. Most people, they just don't, they're not good at sales. And so they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they're outsourcing the most important parts of their business. I, I never understand it. I want to build a company and then I'm going to outsource the most important parts. No one is going to do it as good as you or do it as well. Because even if you took an agency, agencies have, tons of clients. They're not mm-hmm. going to spend full-time effort on your business. Yeah. So that's just part has never made sense to me. Um yeah. and the best clients I've ever had always have sales backgrounds yeah. to some degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm like you phenomenal phenomenal at sales. You said earlier yeah. that you think that your background in sales is part of the biggest reason 100%. for your success. Yeah. I think it's a combination of the sales experience and the engineering because Probably it's one thing to have sales experience, but it's another thing to have critical thinking skills and the critical thinking skills is how we overcome objections so quickly and how we're able to pivot easily, Right. For some people, things are just natural, but for people who are really good at sales, but also have a critical thinking background, there's like not an objection that we can't overcome.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's just also because I've done so many hard things. I think that, I don't know. Online sales was so easy for me because especially come from door-to-door sales and engineering, like you said, I don't even remember the math I was in, but it was like six levels above Cal three yeah, and it was all letters. Yeah. There's no numbers and I'm in a math class made no sense. And then door-to-door sales, there were probably 20 plus objections that I would try to drill on. And then when you get to online sales, it's pretty much price, spouse, time, belief. That's a, I mean, there's. There's only so many objections. I'm
0: gonna show my age here, but <laughs> I used to sell cars. Yeah, and I was so freaking good. I'm so competitive. Yeah, there's something I like going into male-dominated industries and
1: beating them and killing it. Yeah, and that those those that's what you need typically. I see um, if you're in that industry as a female is like if you want to really crush it. You just have to be like
0: that. You got to be number one, yeah. and you have to you have to not care what people say, yeah. understanding that they're going to say all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. guys used to do everything to try to throw me off, but I'm here to prove a point. Like yeah. they looked at me like, "Who's this little dainty?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a shark. Is who I am. I'm gonna let you think this, but showing my age, uh, I was so good at sales that uh, the person who owned my dealership. Uh, this was when internet car sales became a thing. I literally launched the internet car sales at my dealership. Oh, no way. Imagine trying to sell a Hummer for the first time online. Like when this is an untapped, unheard of industry, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm built very different Yeah, and I'm getting that from you too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's my dad, something that really helped me. And I think, I, I'm sure it's got to be similar across the board. So I grew up in, I would say, a more privileged neighborhood. But the irony is because there were seven kids with us, it didn't feel that way to me,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And my dad just did a lot of odd jobs. So he's a teacher, but then he's working all these extra jobs to kind of pay for more stuff. And so as a kid, because there's seven of us, he said, look, if you want to go to college on a scholarship, or college, you got to get a scholarship. He's like, you know, if you want to get a car, you got to pay for it. And so as a kid, I resented him a lot. Cause I would go to school and these 16 year olds are getting Mustangs and Ford trucks. And I'm like, I'm driving a minivan, right? Like uh-huh. a, like a <laughs> seven seat minivan. And my dad, my dad just would never give me anything. So when I got out, I really understood. I was like, my parents can't save me. And I think that just drove me to crazy levels to be successful because growing up, you know, I'd ask my mom, Hey, can I get this? Can I get that? She's like, we, she's like, we can't, you know, she's like, it's too much. Right. And they were always on a budget. And I just remember thinking, I remember I told my mom, I said, well, now I'm going to be rich so I can buy my special, like, you know, meals, like, like the bodybuilder type meals and yeah. stuff. I'm like, I want the expensive meals, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it really drove me to a lot of levels. And a lot of my friends that I grew up with that had kind of more affluent parents, there's just no drive because every time they needed something, their parents would give them the money. I was like, man, your parents give you money. Yeah. Like that's like my dad doesn't do any of that. I mean, I, there's baby pictures when I'm in girls clothes because my I have two older sisters and they didn't want to spend the money on yes. boys clothes. So Amazing. I'm in girls outfits, which is, you know, they probably should have called child services. Or something, <laughs> but. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to not getting things at a young age. And like, to be honest, I think it's a detriment to the children because the children don't learn the value of the money. Like mm. I, I value it so much because I know how hard it is to make.
0: Yeah. Yeah, trust me, I know that story of, of humble beginnings yeah. all too well. Yeah. But if I'm being totally honest like you, I grew up um I grew up a little privileged. Yeah. Like my I'm originally from New Orleans. Uh we, you know, at that time I lived with my great aunt as a small child and she had seven children and then there were grandchildren and me, you know, we a lot of people lived in one house. Um, my mom was here in Atlanta. She had relocated, trying to get herself established. And when I came to Atlanta to live with my mom um, and start school here, like she spoiled me. Like right. I had all the things. Right. I didn't realize until I became a parent how much your parents actually sacrificed for you. And I right. wasn't really privileged. It's just my mom worked all the jobs, started all the companies, much like your father, to yeah. provide. Make you know, sure you with, could have what good they stuff. could. Yeah. I found poverty on my own as an adult, yeah, because um i didn't I didn't have any relationship with money, like my parents didn't really have money, so they didn't really teach me. The only thing I learned about money was go open a bank account, open a savings account, put five dollars a week or something in yeah, your yeah. savings account. That was like all the information that I yeah. had about money blew through that crap like really really quickly, like the money's just sitting there for what I didn't yeah. understand it. And I would make good money, but I would spend it immediately, like like instantly. Are you a good steward over your money?
1: I think so, yeah. I don't, to this day, I don't spend a lot of it. Um, I went through that phase initially, so I went through that phase initially. I got a SVJ Lamborghini, and I lived in an in, insanely expensive penthouse and stuff. But I started realizing it was after six months gets old, and so I started realizing, okay, so this is a dumb thing, because no matter what I get, I'm going to be sick of it in six months. Mm-hmm. and. To be honest, you know, most of the stuff you do, typically you're trying to impress girls and then you just impress guys. So yeah. that's not like, for me, that's not really a win. <laughs> I'm sure the
0: Lamborghini impressed a few girls. Yeah, a
1: few. Too. But it was it just it was it was actually it almost was a detriment because I felt every time I'd park it somewhere I'd be worried about it, or the valet guys would sc- scrape my rims probably four times. Because it's a it's a weird car to drive and there's different clutches and all these things. So yeah, for me I went through that phase, but after that, yeah, I really don't I spend my money on experiences and I like, like, I like dinners and traveling and stuff, but those things mm. are super cheap in comparison to, you know, buying a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I invest pretty heavily. So I, I think I am, but it's, it's because like, for whatever reason, when you come from more of those humble beginnings, it just, it just kind of stays there. No matter how much money you make, you kind of always worried you're not going to have enough. Or I think it's a trauma away.
0: alignment. Hey, hey, are you a service-based entrepreneur that helps your clients or customers get some type of result, but you're struggling to post and communicate your message on social media? You don't know how to type a caption that connects and gets people's attention and converts them from just someone who's following you on social to becoming your customer or your client. Great news is Like, I think that there's a little bit of you that's, like, permanently traumatized by wearing girls' clothes when (laughs) you were a boy, right? (laughs) Not being able to attract the friends and the opportunities and things that you want. So now it's like this. um, And I didn't learn that until I started going to therapy, that I make a lot of my decisions based on trauma responses. Yeah, no. Yeah.
1: I think they say that the most successful people, they have like crippling insecurity, they're not good enough, but they also want to be able to prove they can do it, which is what drives them so hard. Mm -hmm. And I I noticed that at a young age, especially at a young age, I remember feeling like the kids who bullied me, when I started lifting weights, all of a sudden, I went from like one of the least popular kids to one of the most popular kids. And I remember whenever they would talk crap to me, I'd be like, yeah, but I'm bigger than you. I'm I'm better at sports than you, or like my girlfriend's hotter than you. I remember at a young kid, that was kind of how I get back in them, right? Like I was 13 or 14, I was like, yeah, but this. And, yeah, that's 100% why I think um, you'll see a lot of successful entrepreneurs. They have some of that in them because they they always have that, like, insecurity. That they're not good enough, and that's what drives them to such great lengths. I, I remember people said, what – how did you keep going? And I said, I mean, honestly, I just would rather be homeless than be unsuccessful. And, and like, that was how bad I wanted to win. Yeah. And it's one thing to say. It's one thing to do it. Yeah. And I just wouldn't quit because every time I was going to quit, like I told you, I just – it's like, man, I can't, I can't look my family in the face and let them say they were right. Like it just, I just was like, Ooh. I couldn't do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I can't tell you how many times my mom told me you need to go back to college. Oh yeah. You need, you need to go back to school, yeah. do X, Y, and Z. This entrepreneur stuff is like a waste of your time. Yeah. Um, And part in the beginning for me, part of my driving force was to prove my mom wrong. Yeah prove, you know, whoever wrong. Yeah. Um, and now it's, you know, my driving force is to provide um, for them and to provide opportunities. I'm building a family business. My assistant that you guys have that's been awesome. communicating with is my cousin, who's more like my uh, niece, uh, and my community manager is my daughter. Uh, so, awesome. you know, we're, we're now the driving force is a little bit different. But I'm grateful, though, for – I'm grateful for the push that my mom gave and telling me you really need to go back to college. This isn't going to work. I'm worried about, you know, how you're going to be able to provide for yourself. I don't think that if I, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have taken this as seriously um, as I did in the beginning.
1: Well, one of my good friends, Alex, he always says this, it sticks with me all the time because sometimes when I'm going through hard things, I think, man, why am I bothered with this? Like, I don't need to do this anymore. But it's funny because he he has this quote and he says – You know, we're hoping for these extraordinary lives, but we complain every time we have difficult things come up. Mm -hmm. And so the irony is that to have an extraordinary outcome, you must do hard things. And by definition, hard things are things that most people won't do. So I think sometimes it's ironic that the things we're complaining about are the things that need to happen to have the extraordinary outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I get a, like a hard time, I get the goosebumps. You see it right now on the screen. Like I get, I get so like energized and motivated because I'm like, this, this is like The thing that needs to happen and get to the next level this is why most people don't win because this is where they quit Mm. right and i just that's in my mind and so to to your point those things that happen with our families and stuff they don't mean anything bad by it they don't care if you're rich they just want you to be okay yeah you know and so right and so most people fail and so by definition it makes sense that your parents would be worried because most people fail most people don't do well right um but i think the the funny part that it helps me is like it's business is very similar to relationships where people will complain, oh, I have to date all these people. It's like, yeah, probably you're only gonna marry one person. So nine out of ten are not gonna be the one you end up with. And that's that's how business works. You only have to be right once to be right. Mm-hmm. Um so, anyways, I, I'm super grateful as well because it it molds you into the person you're supposed to become. And that's why I think I can't stop now because I know that to get to the next level you have to become a new person it really starts becoming more of a personal development game because for you to attract the talent that you need to grow these massive companies they don't want to work for you if you're a jerk or they don't want to work for you if you can't lead from the front and so a lot of times when the business is not going well, I actually start looking internally, like, where am I not leading better? Or Mm. where am I not making the right decisions to, like, attract the type of talent I need? Because when you get big enough, you just can't be everywhere at once. You just can't.
0: Yeah. Do you believe in affirmations? Like, do you speak them?
1: (sighs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny to ask that. So I, I'd say probably before six months ago, I, Hate's a strong word, but I've always kind of hated the mindset community. And I think why? <laughs> the mindset community. Yeah, like I say mindset. Yeah, like I would always like-, like I, I could,
0: hate you believers. <laughs> yeah, I would say,
1: yeah, I'd say like woo-woo or mindset. And I it's ironic because I think I felt that way because a lot of people would say, oh, well, Tanner, you need to do this and that. But I didn't, the people give me the advice, I didn't respect them. Like I look at them and go, but I don't want your life. Like what? you're telling me I need to do all this stuff. I'm like, you don't, you're not doing well in my eyes, right? And right. it's not to judge, it's just, I'm comparing like, yeah, you're not making money. You're not doing this. So about six months ago, I was going through some personal stuff specifically, and I got pretty desperate. And so first I start off doing ayahuasca, which like for me is like very strange. Like if you knew me before, you're like, dude, what? So I did that. And it actually was a good experience. I can delve more into that if you want. But then I hired this guy who I'm working with right now. His name's Steve Hardison. Mm-hmm. And he's worked with very high level people. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely most people you would recognize i mean i mean people you would recognize for sure and so what he does is he talks about the state of being but the way he described it was better for me because i'm a very logical guy especially engineering Mm -hmm. and so when a lot of people would talk about affirmations i'm like so you're telling me i just say this and then things magically happen but the way he described it was a little I don't know, maybe maybe it's because I just paid him a bunch of money. Sometimes I think it's like if you pay someone enough money, <laughs> <laughs> if you pay someone enough money, it's you like start all that. Yeah, stuff. you start <laughs> you start believing it. So long story short, is he, you know, he's like, in short, I'm not gonna do this justice, but he said, Well, Tanner, like, how do you change your life? And I was like, Well, by actions. He's like, but how do you change your actions? I'm like, your thoughts. He's like, How do you change your thoughts? I'm like, Well, I don't know. Right? Cause you know, there, we know when we're BSing ourselves. And he's like, the way you change your thoughts is you consistently consciously say the person you're trying to become until it's so ingrained that you unconsciously mm. start doing it. Cause like, for example, we all do this. Let's say the Uber driver's late like, in your head. What do you think? You probably like, what an idiot. You don't yeah. say it to him. You don't sure. say it to anyone, but it's those, it's those this things. so
0: unprofessional. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's
1: like, it's like those things that you say unconsciously and something he said to me the other day is, you know, I would say like, this is a personal thing, but like, I'd say I, I struggle to have some connection with people. And he brought this up to me the other day. I just saw him yesterday when I flew to Phoenix. And he said, you know why you struggle to connect with people? I was like, no. He's like, you literally hate people. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you say it all the time, man. He's like, he, and he, he, I think because he has the outside perspective, he's hearing it. But he's like, just listen to like some of the stuff you're complaining about. He's like, you're, you're saying like this and that. And he's like, what if you actually loved people? And you, And I'm like, okay, but... I could go in way more detail and it'd probably be confusing for someone who's not there, but it's, it's true that like, if you go in a room, he'll bring this up. If you go in a room and you say you hate people, what type of experience do you think you'll have? So if you go in a room and you say you love people, what type of experience you would have? And so he, he brought it back to where he's like, your reality is literally what you're creating. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it took me years and years and years. I also think it's the fact that, I mean, he's, he's worth well over nine figures. Like he hasn't told me but right. he's had 600 plus clients who paid him 200 grand. You've done the math. So you do the math. I'm like, uh, that's a lot. That's a big number.
0: Counting your pockets there. I yeah. know exactly how and much money
1: you make. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there going, he, he's got to be to something. Yeah. Right. And so, like I said, I mean, I was very kind of against it, but long story short now, I think I'm very much for it. I just think the way most people talk about affirmations, I don't believe in. but the way he does it, mm-hmm. I was like, that make that made sense to me. It's like very logical. And so I'm trying to implement that more in my life. Um, and then he also he talked about he's like it's like kind of wax on wax off like mr miyagi he's like it you is. can't stop it's like you have to consistently do that and then he's like when you're in a high pressure situation where you're kind of like fight or flight mode he describes it like that you'll act differently mm-hmm. and i was like man that makes way more sense because you catch yourself all the time doing things that afterwards you're like man i should have done that better yeah. like i shouldn't have acted that way yeah um so anyways that's my experience that I'm going to actually have a call with them later today, uh, working on stuff. But yeah, that's, I'd say like, I recently do believe in it now.
0: Yeah. I believe I changed my whole life through affirmation. Really? Yep. I believe that I have literally designed everything that I have in place right now Yeah. because I can clearly remember the moments in which I asked for these things over and over and over again. And not even an ask necessarily. Um, More of a more of a declaration. Mm. This is what my life will look like. Mm. Um, But as you were mentioning, you know, you had you can do hard things. Two of my favorite affirmations are I believe in my ability to figure it out and I can do hard things. Mm. Um, Those are two of my favorite affirmations. We discuss manifestation and affirmation here a lot. And I am uh, accustomed to people who don't necessarily, you know, believe in it and totally fine with it. I didn't until I came across Bob Proctor. Oh, okay. Bob okay. Proctor was a huge influence for me. Um, the Secret, that his book and documentary, uh, Rhonda Byrne, and he was a contributor in it, literally changed my life. I was able to prove that I could literally change my circumstances and the quality of my life by changing my belief system. Mm. And it's not just a matter of just saying things one time, but like your uh, coach is saying, when you – create this lifestyle out of it and you're very intentional about how you say things, Mm -hmm. then it restricts you from being able to act a certain way. Yeah. I got to tell you in full transparency since we're here. um, I saw you at war room. Right. And it was like, I was in that room. I'm a seven figure entrepreneur, but there were some really big deals like eight, nine people. Right. Yeah, of course. And um, I'm in this room and I look over behind me at the other table and you're sitting there and I'm like, Oh shit, that's Tanner. (laughs) I've seen your ads. I've always followed you on Instagram. Um, again, when I I came into the coaching space and I wanted to know who's doing it, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, looking at like the Jim Rohn's and the Eric worries and the Bob Proctor's, they're on a completely different level and, started in a different generation right so they built their business differently so I'm looking at and earmarking who's doing it right now yeah the way that I'm doing it but at a level of that desire to do it at Mm. you're one of those people and so uh, because obviously I want an eight-figure business Uh, you know no brainer so I see you in this room (laughs) and I wanted to come and speak yeah but you did not look approachable
1: Oh man, the angry face. Yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> I got to work on that. I got to work on that. I think I think the issue though too is it's funny I get and I've recognized this in my life. I think sometimes you get so involved in your own issues mm-hmm. that outwardly it's like that. And the irony is that the more selfish you are, the less you get the things you want.
0: Mm.
1: It's kind of ironic because I think when I don't know, when I was when I didn't have anything, I was so driven to not be poor that it's just like, okay, me, 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 me. And then you get to a certain level and you start getting those things and then they don't make you happy. Those things, all the things you thought would make you happy don't. And then you start, well, wait, this doesn't make sense. And then I think ironically, the people who do the very best, they're so focused on others that all those people kind of reciprocate. And then you get all those things you want, which you don't really want them at that point anyways. But yeah, I apologize for that. I mean, I believe you. I don't. I don't think you're lying. I was probably no, 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 no. You
0: didn't do anything. Yeah, you just your disposition just didn't say, "Hey, come and talk to me." you know. There were like some networking moments. I'm like, I don't think he's here to network. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's that's probably that's probably that's probably bad on my part because sometimes I, it that is true. Like, yeah. because because I don't know. Like, I like I like networking, but. It, it depends. Like sometimes it doesn't go deep because you get you get at those events, then it's like very shallow mm-hmm. with like thirty people. Let's
0: connect. We'll do this. Yeah. Hit me next week. Right. And I'm Never like, I
1: want to go deep, and that's even why I like the podcast because I I remember telling my friends i'm like man i gotta connect to more people yeah. like i don't get out enough because i work so much and but i'm like i don't want to give up my work so how can i connect to higher level people and have a convo that isn't like hey you want to go for lunch or you want to mm-hmm. get a coffee where mm-hmm. they think i'm trying to take something and i was like you know podcasting makes so much sense because mm-hmm. that's how it's mutually beneficial you're getting content and you can have a genuine conversation and then people get to listen in to that conversation yeah um So, yeah, full transparency, that's actually why I started doing it super heavy because for a long time I am like, no, I don't want to do that. But now I'm actually wanting to do a ton of it so I can have those convos. Yeah. You know, ask the things that I want to ask.
0: And convos that are not transactional.
1: Right. Because the salespeople
0: and business owners, I find sometimes our conversations are just – Transactional.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or, or they're always wondering like what the hidden agenda is, which I understand. Yeah. And, and it's hard to sometimes, but you know, like there's literally no hidden agenda. Like, yeah, I've heard that before. And they asked me to coffee too, you know. So, yeah. I think it's a great way to like provide value, and then also it just it just makes it easier. I mean, you know, I don't feel like people are very like against a podcast, like, but they're always like, oh, you know, are you gonna meet here? Do you have time for dinner? I'm like, I don't know, man. I got this going on, got that going on, or have prior commitments, so. Mm-hmm. No, I. I mean, that's kind of why I started doing so many of them. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I love that you mentioned. Um, is it ayahuasca? Uh,
1: ayahuasca. Ayahuasca.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I was in uh, Scottsdale. Yeah. A couple months ago, or Sedona. Sedona. Yeah. A couple months ago, and have you ever visited the sanctuary? I haven't. No. Okay. So your, your coach is there in Arizona, He's
1: in. He's right? in yeah, so he's basically right by the Phoenix Airport, but Scottsdale's close enough.
0: When you're there, yeah. you have to go to this resort. Um, it's the Wellness <laughs> and Meditation Resort called mm. Sanctuary. I believe this Watsu bath is a part of the ayahuasca experience, mm. but I did this bath. It's called the Watsu bath Mm. and you're in like this warm pool of water and there's somebody there. You literally just let your body go. I can't swim. So this was a really big deal for me. I know another black girl who can't swim. (laughs) 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 I I can't swim. Um, you're in this bath and you just kind of lay back and let go and they're moving your body just all around. And it's, it's really like a deep At the time that I experienced this, I too was dealing with like some personal issues and Mm -hmm. had some things going on. And we just the overwhelm that it takes for running a company at a high level. I want you to, the next time you're there, just go and experience this and You just lay, like you spot. just lay on your back? You're said. laying on your back, and they got you. Do they hold you? They're holding, they holding you. you. Okay, I was like, it must be gently. really salty if you're just yeah. No, no, they're holding you really gently, and they're taking your body through these intentional movement exercises.
1: Oh, wow. And then there's a
0: part of it, like they've got this frequency music yeah. playing in the background, and there's a part of it where there's a, a, a little sound bowl activity yeah. that's happening as well. Yeah. But you will literally just black out everything else i don't know what happened in that water and what was in that water but when i came out i felt like i could tackle the world
1: it's so i just i just would never believe anything you're saying if i hadn't done it like (laughs) i'm serious because i the the weird thing is that again i'll say the mindset community is very broad but I feel like on average, like an average person from the mindset community, they don't portray it well, in my opinion. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. just me. But I feel as I got to a higher level, I realized that a lot of the people I look to, they have very strong mindsets. They just don't talk about as much. You don't hear it. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they just seem more logical. So I'm like, oh, he's just saying that. He doesn't believe in it. Um, Especially like ayahuasca. I've seen crazy stories. I was terrified I was going to come back like a crazy person. Yeah. And maybe I am now, but it's Shaved like...
0: Shaved head, yeah, cape over but your
1: But for head. someone who's like super logical, I think because it actually is changing the chemistry in your brain, after I did, mm. after I that experience when I meditated and I did, like even that experience you're talking about, I can understand it at a much deeper level now because before, I don't know, I just, I don't think I would have gotten to where I'm at if I hadn't had that experience. So Depending on who you talk to, I mean, I've heard horror stories and, you know, bad stories, good stories. But for me, it was a very positive experience because it it just, it may, the easiest way to describe it without making it sound too weird is that you just, it's like talking to your older self. Mm-hmm. And you just go very deep emotionally, mm-hmm. like very deep, where yeah. almost like the the most important things in life come to the surface of your brain. So yeah, I mean, I I'm definitely down to try that. I'll have to do it when I go yeah. there next. And
0: and I imagine there's a lot of like forgiveness and healing there that you have to do when you're going that deep. Yeah. Into your inner self.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just for me, it really kind of paints the picture for what's most important. Um mm-hmm. and I think the hardest part is kind of remembering those things cuz you you have these kind of big moments in your life and then you go out in the real world and you kind of forget and you, you know, you have your normal day to day activities and then, the, you know, most people, they don't believe in that stuff or they'll say, oh, that that, that couldn't have happened. Right. Yeah. That, there's no way that happened. You start like, oh, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I just imagined it. But no, it's actually a very positive experience for me. So obviously, like I don't I'm not going around just promoting psychedelics to anyone, but I think like in the right circumstances or situation, it actually could be very helpful. I actually did it out of desperation. I didn't think it would work. You at all. mentioned
0: that. So I was super
1: desperate. You
0: were desperate. Were you facing cha- Like what challenges have you faced recently in your business that literally, or in your life that yeah. drove you to that point?
1: So it's not mostly, it's not really my business. It's more, I'd say it's more my personal life. So something that I've had a, uh, something I've seemed to do frequently is that people close to me in my life, I somehow just kind of seem to always push them away, mm. specifically romantically. So, you know, of course, it's always it's always girls' issues, right? So, I mean, that's where it stemmed from, where I couldn't... I mean, even now, like, I have this, I have this great girl in my life who, like, wants to marry me. She's amazing. And it's like, for whatever reason, I just can't ever seem to pull the trigger, right? Mm. And, the, and I don't know what it is, but it just... It's like I love her to death, but I always felt... I don't know, like, can I do this forever? And what about this? What about that? And there's all these rules. And, and long story short, like I was bringing up Steve earlier, I, I messed it up. Right. I did stupid stuff. I messed it up. And I just was like, why do I keep doing this? And I think anyway, I went to Steve yesterday and one of the things Steve says, he's like, I mean, dude, like you can't be intimate with people because you hate people. Like, what do you mean? And he's like, just look at your like look at your past, look at like your experiences with people. You can't trust them because you've had these things happen. And so I don't get too I don't like to live my life blaming my parents or other people yeah. or like this per I, I think it's very immature to like blame your life on those things. Well but that
0: story I, just gets tired. That narrative just Right. Plays it's out it's at it's, it's like own your shit. Yeah, yeah, like
1: own your shit. But I think he has some points where for whatever reason I think I don't know like if I get if I get too close to someone it almost feels like suffocating right and I would say I don't know I'm not too deep on like the archetypes for dating and relationships but you know they have like the it's the um, the attachment styles right mm-hmm. and I would say I'm very much avoidant right like if you get too close I'm like yo give me some space like back off and so that's where it stemmed from is I just it's like there's nothing there's nothing bad about her. She's like perfect, right? Yeah. But I always find a way to kind of mess it up. And and I think something else that has been interesting to note is that there's like things I've done that I don't think I would forgive that person. And it's, it's, it's kind of ironic, but because she forgives me, it almost makes me question myself as a person. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Mm. Like if she's willing to forgive me for doing this or this like why won't why wouldn't I forgive her like it's kind of in a way it's it's almost like it's helping me change I think the thing I'm I feel the most guilty about is that it's it's like I kind of almost feel like she's been this like guinea pig that Mm -hmm. not on purpose but she's going through this thing with me and I'm it's like it's not you it's it's me but it really is me right it really is and I think that's been probably the most upsetting thing is I'm not trying to do anything intentional but when you have someone who loves you and you're constantly like i'm not sure and this and that and they're like okay like what am i question what is this
0: thing like uh there's a there's a meme that goes around but what is this thing with men that take women through this emotional hell before they want to give them emotional bliss We're
1: idiots uh is that it (laughs) that's 100 percent. yeah y'all are idiots there's no doubt um I think men on average again I'm not an expert on this but I think I think I mean men are more physical on average and I say women are more emotional typically and so I think that emotional maturity comes at a much younger age where they yeah. I think women understand probably sooner than men cuz we're dumb that there's not a lot of point to just random physical like hookups and things of that nature. I think men struggle with that. I don't know what it, I don't know why we're just more wired that way. You're wired so,
0: you were designed that way. Do you think right. you're being honest with yourself about the type of lifestyle you want in a relationship? Like sometimes I, I, people are fighting the fact that they don't want a no, monogamous relationship. No, that's
1: a, that's a good point. No, I've really, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I've really delved deep into that, really deep. And so to each their own. But I think for me, because I, I know... Like I'm, I, I'm friends with like guys who run the same circles, like Andrew Tate. And so I know all about that lifestyle and stuff. And so I think for a long time, I think for a long time, that's exactly where my head was. I was like, oh, I just need to have something that's more flexible and someone's cool with it. And, and I, I'd say like, based on like some of the things I struggle with, that's, that would make sense if I can't kind of overcome it. But I think what happened to me, and this is just my personal experience, I think what happened to me is like the more I delved into that, I came to the conclusion for myself that it's not, in my opinion, it's not nice to one of the people. And what I mean by that is that if you could genuinely find like, let's say three people, right? Because it's usually some situation where it's like a main like a main person and then they have like something outside or someone on the side or whatever it is. If you could, if they were all genuinely 100 happy, and they're like, "Oh, in my perfect relationship, this is what it would look like." But I mm-hmm. think realistically, more times than not, they're just dealing with it versus that's what they want,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so, in my head, I'm thinking if they're just dealing with it, that's not nice, yeah, right? And at least for the girl I'm talking about, she would have dealt with it. She wouldn't. She doesn't want that. She would have dealt with it. And so, I think for me, I'm sitting there going. If it's not, and, and then it, let's even take it a step further. Let's say that sh- they are okay with it. That third person, if you think about even hookup culture, what's the reason behind it? It's purely selfish. Mm-hmm. You're not benefiting. Sure. So I'm sitting here going, and so I'm sitting here thinking if selfishness is not how you become happy and it's only coming from a selfish place and it's not to help the other person, then why am I doing it? And I think that's like, that's the hard part for men is like, in my personal opinion through my journey, is I'll be, I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be great in a perfect world because it takes no, there's no restraint. You're just yeah. doing whatever you want. But I think like if, when you try to get deeper that that restraint is necessary to kind of become your higher self, not because it's easy, but because it's not nice. And I, I think that took me a long time to get there. Cause I was like, yeah, but if the other person's okay with it and they say it's okay. And Everyone agrees it's fine, yeah. and this is my own personal opinion because I know some people disagree with this. But I personally think that it, it's even if everyone quote unquote agrees with it, if it's coming from self a selfish place, which genuinely is what can I get out of this? Because like if, if if you're doing that, there's going to be some person that you're just you're just using them technically. Like you're like you are here for this purpose, mm-hmm. and I'm like go away. I don't think you can be the person you're supposed to be from that mindset and so it took I mean, i'm mean, i talking i've been battling that for years because i'm just like well what is it and like is it you know you're like is it the wrong girl is it me is it this is it do that? you think
0: your success and and the options that you have as a result oh, of it yeah. plays a role
1: oh yeah i mean it's it's hilarious when someone will talk crap on travis scott i'm like Dude, travis scott can get any girl he wants anytime any time he wants and they're they're, they're Yeah. And they're talking down on him. I'm like, dude, yeah. no offense. You make 40 grand a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's so I have learned not to judge because I've made mistakes. I've learned not to judge because I have been somewhat successful. But yeah, like it's easy to point, you know, Tiger Woods. Oh, Tiger Woods did this. I'm like, dude, Tiger Woods can get anyone he wants. And, and, and it's like when that when you have that kind of power, it is super difficult to kind of like restrain it. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 easy to say when you can't get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, of course you, you, it's easy for you. You can't get any girls. But I, I think I understand it more from that level where it's, I don't judge because I understand like when you have that kind of, kind of that power to just go and move things. This is why people become corrupt. It's why people go to jail, like Sam Bateman freed that whole thing. I mean, it's cause he knew he could do it. And it's, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I would never do that. It's like, would you though? Like wouldn't, would you, if you knew you could get away with it? That's, that's a whole other thing of like where people think they're either good or bad, but there's scales. There's like, you know, it's, it's a gray area. So yeah, hundred percent. It's become harder. And I've talked to my parents about that openly where I said, my dad, like, man, it's hard in Miami. There's a lot of beautiful girls here. And, and if you're a decent looking guy and you're over six foot and you make good money, it's like, there's a lot of opportunity and it's hard to turn it down. And so I think I've tried, I think it's also hard to be public or like be more public about because it it's a very private thing mm-hmm. and so if you ask a very successful guy he doesn't yeah. want to talk about it because he's like well dude like i don't know if you're going to say something he's like i don't want you know my wife to know about her my girlfriend sure. and so it's it's also kind of very taboo so you don't
0: have any to, anybody to go to to say how do you navigate through this
1: well yeah and i mean you don't know if they're telling you the truth i mean i have i have friends i look up to mm. and they give me their opinions but the other thing too is that the answer cannot come externally so that's the other problem you you if you go ask a bunch of people about religion and you ask a bunch of people about dating they're all going to give you different answers mm-hmm. but that doesn't really matter what they think we all know the answers from in here but you that's where the answer has to come from and that's what's been the battle for me is w- life is easy when you're certain like mm-hmm. if you know like you talk about affirmations no one's going to tell you oh affirmations are bullshit you're like yeah whatever i don't care because right. you, you know yeah i think the hard part is when you don't know right when you're like well is life do I think this because my parents said, or do I think this because society says that? Do I think that's because I think that? And so it's easy to say, well, it only matters what you think, but when you don't know what to think, mm-hmm. that's the hard part. And so I think what I've been working on with Steve is Steve is like, you need to figure out the person you want to be. And as you become that person, the answer will become clear. And I think something that was important to me is I, one of the statements I say is I, I will not do anything that hurts another person. And so as I thought about hookup culture, I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? I'm like, Dude, it's it's coming from a selfish place, yeah. and that and it's hard. It's hard because as a I think as a man, especially someone who's been successful, like, and I really didn't have a college, like I didn't have a college life or anything. I just worked, 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 and so now this is the first time in my life where I can kind of do what I want. That's been the battle I've had for yeah. sure, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, poor Tanner didn't have these options. No, as a
1: young kid, because no. because <laughs> and that's what that's what drew me is that. I wanted to push myself so I could have whatever I wanted, and those people who made fun of me. I'm like, yeah, well, look at me now. And well,
0: did you have? Is this what you wanted? Like, did you think? Like, did poor Tanner think that he also wanted options with women? Or were no, did you want not at the one? time.
1: I just didn't want to be poor. I mean, yeah. I think as I made more money, I realized, oh, okay, so you know that's obviously attractive to women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think that's what I wanted. But I think for I think for me. Like I was telling you earlier, I think, I think I struggle maybe with rules. Like I struggle with restraints, right? And that's what entrepreneurship is. You're literally breaking out of those. Because you grew up with them. Right. Well, and I also, for most people, they don't know this, but I grew up LDS or Mormon, which is very kind of Mm. can be very restrictive, right? So it's, you know, it's uh, no sex, no drugs, no drinking. Are you
0: rebelling right now? No. Is that what's going on? I
1: I think I rebelled.
0: Tanner the (laughs) rebel.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. So at 18, what happened? And I'm grateful now, but what happened at 18 is so you have a two-year mission trip. And so when you turn 19 and at 18, I had a girlfriend for two years. And so at the time, you know, I was, you know, wasn't hooking up, wasn't doing those types of things. And my parents were very worried. And so what happened was they called my girlfriend's parents. And I, I thought at the time I was young, but I think I really did love her. Wait. Yeah.
0: Your parents were worried because you weren't. Fu-
1: yeah, that's what. Yeah, exactly. Well, because 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 to go on this two year, this two year church mission, you're not supposed to. So if you do that, you're, like that's part of the rules. It's like, hey, for you to be, you know, like worthy to go, you have to not be doing this.
0: So they were checking for worthiness, not right. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So what happened is okay. they called her parents and they forced us to break up. And when that happened, I went off the rail because. I was like, I'm a straight A student. I have scholarship offers. I don't do drugs. I don't party. I'm not having sex. I'm not doing anything. And I still felt like after all that, I still get punished for it. So that's actually probably when I started rebelling where, you know, I didn't talk to my parents for a couple of years. I moved out. I went to college and was like living on my scholarship money, et cetera. Um, Yeah. So I think that I think there's a lot to do with that because, whenever someone tries to put rules and stuff. And so by nature, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think by nature, when you're in a normal relationship, it's like, yeah, you don't go talk to 30 other people. Right. I mean, it's very normal. Um, and it's not like it's this massive issue. You know, I'm, I'm very driven. I want to build businesses and I love working out. And so I'm very busy, but I think there's a part of me at times where, you know, uh, it's, it's harder for me like it's 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 there right and i notice it and you know i've delved into 800 million things oh it's this it's that it's, it could be this issue but i think ultimately the answer is internal um and i think when you look externally for everyone to like well what do you do what do you do you're going to get more confusion because they're they're coming from like their reality yeah right and like what they think and remember what they think is also been formed by other people's opinions or like mm-hmm. what they've experienced and so it's kind of a very dangerous place to go from and so that's where like you have to do that internal work I think the hard thing for me is sometimes knowing what to do like mm-hmm. well, what is that internal work? And I think when I met steve that's where he's like this is how it works dude Like this is where it comes from and because he's older right, He's mm-hmm. in his 60s and because he's super wealthy mm-hmm. It's been a little bit more where I can take him seriously I think because i'm like man like this is this is like the man like he yeah. knows what he's talking about So I, i'm definitely not done with the journey um, right now I am staying single because like until I feel certain, I don't want to keep kind of like dragging her along or anyone else for that matter. And it, cause it's not nice and I'm not doing it purposely, but it's just not nice to do.
0: Well, that's growth.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough though. Cause when you love someone and, and you want to spend time with them, I mean like, you know, so things you're not skip-
0: circling, spinning the block.
1: No, I mean, like, like Thanksgiving's (laughs) next week and it sucks because I want to spend time with her, but it's not, it's not in that place. So you you feel
0: like you have to detach right now completely.
1: It's not for me. It's for her. It's like, I mean, when you've been with someone for years and then, you. you know, it's like there's a lot of emotional stuff there. I mean, we, you know, we're right. You know we're this far from a ring. You know it's like it's hard, and i I think as a I think as a man I can handle that better already because of some of the stuff I've talked about. Like one, it's a little easier for me, and I have a little bit more of an avoidant personality. I also, I don't know, maybe it's just like the alpha male in me, but I'm just like, oh, she finds another guy, that's great, but she probably won't. You know, like I don't know. Are you
0: one of those? She's even if she finds another guy, she's not gonna find another me. Yeah, I think. Nope, she will. Yeah, I think. Well, and don't let me, me tell you. She will. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: I know like statistically and like obviously, but I think, you know, in my head, I, I guess I think, well, if she actually does find someone she'd rather be with, then like, why would I want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me? You know, does yeah. that make sense? But I think that's been the hard well, that's part.
0: That's one way to look at it.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think that's been the hard part is like when you want to be with someone, but you guys are not aligned on everything and it's not just, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not, it's not hard for me to not do something. Like I've been, I'm a very disciplined person, but I think the hard thing is when you don't kind of like feel at peace with it, when there's like something gnawing at you in the back of your mind where you're like, man, like why, why is this like a thing? Or why is this so difficult when it, when you almost know like it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, so that's like, I mean, that could be a whole nother conversation, but yeah, I, I, think I, f- I think I find it um harder to talk about because one, it's very private. And then mm-hmm. I think also just, you know, it's, it's, it's not something people talk about because it's, uh, I think it's, I think it happens. I just don't think it's very talked about for obvious reasons. So yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of in the personal journey I've been going on and it's, I think I was a little too public about it for a while. And then I kind of toned it back. So it's kind of like in a, where it should be now. It's like a little more toned back, but, um, yeah, it was tough for me for sure. And, uh, I'm still kind of on that journey, but I'm in a better spot now than I was. Um, there's, there's some days where like, I'm kind of feeling it, but like yesterday, but I'm overall doing a lot better. Yeah.
0: The holidays are gonna probably oh, be a trigger for yeah, it's you the for worst. sure. It's the worst. It'll yeah. be the worst. Christmas, all the parties that people are planning. Yeah, because you
1: want to be with your loved ones. Like yeah. that's like those are the moments you wanna have, right?
0: But when it's not right, it's not like you just have to rip the band aid off. Yeah. I went through a breakup too at holiday time. It sucked. It was the worst. And like you, I had to like, like completely get away. We'll
1: do it after December twenty sixth. We'll do it that. Way. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> right. That's, that'd be
1: better. But yeah, no, it's, I, I think, and I mean, for me, I think, yeah, it's not a big deal. Cause it's not, it's not as if I'm like going out looking for someone else. It's just mm-hmm. more of the fact that I'm not where I need to be. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think it's harder. I think it's harder for women in general just cause they're more emotional. And that's, I think that's great. I mean, that's what men need, but I think that's why that also is difficult because, you know, I'm like, oh, it's, it's cool. Like, I just bury my feelings like deep down in here. And yeah. Like, you guys are more loving and nurturing, and so it's tough. So, yeah, it's been it's been hard. But I think I feel most guilty about more how she feels. I mm. think that's been the hardest part is like knowing that.
0: Do you ever go like to her social media, look at her stories, oh, never, 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 see never? What's that, going on.
1: No, that's a disaster. That because <laughs> all you're all you're looking for is trouble, right? Because mm-hmm. if she's out, let's say she's out, or you know some guys in her story and it like might not even be a guy she's with or but she's you,
0: doing that careful intentional pose where you see the other drink yeah maybe a hand or like they play
1: some like background ex-boyfriend music like it's just it's just not it's just not gonna end well and so yeah i think the mature thing to do is like you don't block them or anything but you just don't go look Engage, yeah, yeah and it's like it's not i don't think that's healthy um yeah. I don't think that's healthy at all. And so, yeah, I try, I don't like, I mean, we still talk and like my, my door's open mm-hmm. if she needs something. And like, I mean, it's but I try, I try to like kind of not do that because I don't think that's going to help at all.
0: You mentioned part of your reasoning could be attached to not liking rules. Hey, hey, CEO Donnie Wiggins here. And I am so excited to announce my new mentorship group is dropping. You may have already heard about it, but I wanted to, I wanted you to hear it from the horse's mouth directly from me. My new mentorship group, Actionable CEO, for entrepreneurs who are interested in professional growth, personal growth, and financial growth. You want to learn from me. Y'all have been asking for this for the last three years, and I have finally brought Actionable CEO back to serve you. Every single week, direct mentorship from me. You will also hear from other people who are in my community that I believe will be greatly impactful to you. You're going to get behind the scenes. We're going to be spending some time together live. This is not pre-recorded. This is live mentorship. So if you are an entrepreneur and you want to be connected, feel connected, you want to elevate your brand, you want to elevate your life, you want to elevate your level of success. Actionable CEO is for you. actionableceo.com See you there. Yeah. Following rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that translate to for you as a leader though uh, of a company, of a very successful company?
1: Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. I think well, I think it's different when you're the leader of the company because you make the rules. Mm-hmm. So the rules are whatever you decide.
0: oh, so you can make the rules.
1: Yeah you just don't
0: want to follow the rules.
1: yeah well, I would say I follow my own rules okay
0: <laughs> so you know because I make rules that are convenient. Yeah, for yeah <laughs> right.
1: I think the I think the hard part is I think the hard part is when someone else makes the rules or the terms of the engagement like are you know, hey, you can't do this, I can't do that. I think that's more what's been tougher for me and that that's a relationship that's any relationship even even if the relationship was, open it's -hmm. like there's still rules Mm -hmm. right and so i think um yeah i think that's the hardest part like i I, and i being in a relationship is by far and a way better than being single in my opinion i think i I think by far that's better but the the benefit you have when you're single typically is you get that freedom Mm -hmm. meaning you don't have these expectations of like even even just simple things like you don't have to call anyone you don't have to text anyone you don't have to go to dinners you don't have to plan date nights like there's a lot of things that you know sometimes i think um for me the way the way i've thought about it is sometimes you don't get that break you don't get like a okay i'm gonna pause our relationship for a couple days and then okay you can't do that yeah and for whatever reason i think that's that's the easiest way for me to describe kind of what i'm feeling like is sometimes it feels just like this like pressure is building up Mm -hmm. and i can't like relieve the pressure per se um so anyways, hopefully this comes off the right light. I'm like sitting here thinking about what I'm saying. like, man, I hope this doesn't come no, off the light. No, I mean, right it's helpful way,
0: because um, sometimes we can look at entrepreneurs who are financially at a level that mm-hmm. we're at. And like even yourself, I'm sure there's been someone that you've looked at like, man, he's really got it together. Yeah, and so there are people who are watching this that, Look at you and and other people that have been on the platform like, wow, 70 million. This guy must have it all together. Mm -hmm. And they're giving themselves a hard time because they've got things that they're dealing with. I built I created this platform because I believe it's important to share a transparent perspective of what it looks like. Yeah. Like sure. You're smart. Sure. You can have sales skills, but there are parts of me that aren't well put together. Yeah. There are parts of me that actually suffer through some things and I actually have insecurities. And, um, I believe because social media is such a prevalent, um, kind of resource for people to go seek inspiration. Mm -hmm. It's important to give a balanced, outlook on, you know, entrepreneurship, yeah, which leads me to my next, um, my next question for you, like what kind of challenges and struggles do you face right now as, uh, are you still operating in the role of CEO? Uh,
1: since I got back, I, yeah, I sat back in, okay. kind of had to, yeah.
0: Yeah. What kind of, what kind of struggles and challenges do you face? Like something that maybe happens on a daily basis or a huge challenge right now that you're looking to overcome?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being a better leader mm-hmm. because what usually is required is you're just serving, 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 serving. You're just pouring so much into your team and your clients. And so sometimes my cup gets a little low Yeah, and I tend to, I think, lash out at times. And that's one of the things I'm trying to work on at being a better leader. Something I've heard about Gary Vee is uh, someone told me, they said, everyone owes Gary Vee a favor. Everybody. And it comes from, you have to be empathetic, you have to be selfless, you have to think of others. There's a book by, I think it's the Arborger Institute called, I think it's just called Leadership. And in it, it talks about being in the box and out of the box. And long story short, when we're in the box, I'll give you the example they use in the book, the main one, it's all about trying to justify what we're doing. So there's an example in the book where they say it's a, a married couple sleeping in the bed and the baby starts crying. The mm-hmm. husband wakes up 1st and so the selfless husband gets up because he knows he should. He goes and takes care of the baby and he's like, he feels good about who he is. He helped his wife, everyone's happy, et cetera. But when we're in the box, he wakes up and goes, doesn't she know I have a big day tomorrow? Why isn't she doing it? All she has to do is stay home and watch the kid. And all of a sudden we start justifying why we're in the right because we're not doing the things we know we should do. And so I think we all do this, but it's just how often we do it, mm-hmm. right? And so all, like, for example, like, sometimes I'll say, oh my gosh, I got to do something else. How much other do I got to do to help this company, right? And that's not coming from a selfless place. And so I think when we're always thinking of others and thinking from their perspective and being empathetic to them, that is like true leadership. But it's hard because I think humans naturally, we are very selfish. Mm-hmm. Like We're just selfish. Like we were made this way. I don't know why, but we're just always thinking about ourselves. But the irony is you can't be happy being selfish. You just can't. I really don't think you can. The most miserable I've ever been is when I'm, when I was disconnected from my company for six months and I got on for 15 minutes a day and I was completely miserable and I was trying to figure out what I need to do to be happy and all these things. And then I came back to work and all of a sudden I'm like, man, I feel way better mm-hmm. because now I'm thinking about others, instead of constantly thinking about myself. So I think that on a daily basis for me, where I'm at is just being selfless, instead self selfish and Mm-hmm. and trying to pour into my team and how the business can serve them and stuff. How can this business serve me? How can this make me richer? And that's, yeah. I think at the highest levels of the game, you have to be like that. People, the, the best players don't want to work for you. Yeah. They don't want to work for you.
0: Speaking of these players, when yeah. you're hiring, um, what's more important? Is it hiring someone who is going to be loyal to the company and sold out or hiring someone who's extremely talented in Oof, the
1: role? Yeah, so it in a you need both. Like if you really want to go far, you need 10 out of 10. But if I had to choose, it's going to be culture over skill. Because the, I'll give you an example. You, you bring in a sales rep. He's amazing. He's crushing. He's doing all these deals. He shows up late. He doesn't do his sheets. He doesn't do his trackers. He doesn't do his EOD. The other sales guys see that. They start doing it, but they're not as good as him. Mm-hmm. And now you've created this cancer in the company. So I would rather have lower skill, better culture, but in a perfect world, you need both if you really want to grow to high levels because you can't do everything. So you need someone who can be the thinker. There's mm-hmm. a lot of doers. You need thinkers. And so I'll give you an example. We just had a new CSD come in, client success director, and he's built three multi uh, multi-million-dollar businesses. And you can tell you can because he's coming. He's like, this sucks. This is good. That's bad. I'm going to do this. This is where we're going. And I'm like, thank you. Like mm-hmm. he's like, get out of the way, Tanner. And you need that when you get big because you can't be everywhere at every time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times when you're feeling stress, it's because you're doing too much. And the reason you're probably doing too much is you don't either have the right people in place or you have bad training or something. Yeah. And so what I've noticed over the years is that when I hire for experience versus potential, it takes longer. You gotta pay more. Um, you're gonna be like, Oh, do I really have to pay an extra four thousand a month for this versus cut but, it almost always has worked out when I do that, and every time I go away from it, I end up having to work more and managing more, and it's not worth it mm-hmm. because you have no leverage. Mm-hmm. And really, to get to high levels of the game, you need a lot of leverage. And yeah. you know, all my super affluent friends, they just have more leverage than me. That's why they're more rich. Yeah. You know, so,
0: do you have your team go through any kind of specialized training? Like, have you built? your in-house internal training or are you sending them like to workshops yeah. and conferences both
1: yeah both but mostly in-house but yeah the way you have to think of your team is the way you think of your clients you know how you build curriculum for your clients yeah you, I didn't realize I'm like oh you have to do this for your team too so you got two pairs of clients yeah
0: but yeah that's right. what you,
1: yeah it's like <laughs> oh man I got double the clients but it's you genuinely have to have really good. SOPs. And the way, you know, if it's a good SOPs, you see if they can do it without making any mistakes. And if they're making mistakes, the SOPs are not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to build great teams. So that's what makes it fun is it's hard. I mean, that's the whole point. And that, I, so I always get energized when we're having a tough time because I'm like, you didn't do good enough. You haven't led good enough. Or, you know, if it, the person is like, let's say they're not smart enough. It's like who hired them? you so you're not smart enough it always comes (laughs) back to you as the leader it like ironically it always comes back on us as the leaders and I think that's the tough part is accepting that yeah and knowing it's our fault
0: is your team working remote or do you have an office
1: we're all remote okay um I think I wouldn't want to switch now I I wouldn't want to switch now but I think having an in-house team is better if you can pull it off the hard part is just getting everyone on board but I think what you do is you never force people to do things. You just make it so advantageous that they have to do it, or they they're like, okay, there's like it's too it's too good for me to turn down. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know, there's a difference when there's a problem and you can talk to someone in person. I feel like it is ten times faster than Zoom or Slack. For sure, I mean, the back and forth and stuff is a lot. Um, but yeah, if I start if I start any like newer companies and I can pull that off. I definitely will because yeah. it's just way better.
0: So with a remote team, like what are your strategies to drive productivity? I'm imagining yeah. you just listening to you yeah. on this zoom with all these people. How many team members do you have? So
1: we're at like, we used to be at hundred, but we're like 70 right now.
0: A hundred people, yeah. Tanner. Yeah, that
1: was a lot. Wait
0: a minute. Yeah. Doing what? <laughs> yeah,
1: Doing everything. So we have, we have uh we have four divisions. So that's part of it too. you so like, we, have-
0: we- drastically downsized. We have 70 employees.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, still a lot. I know, but for me, it doesn't feel like a lot anymore. Doing what? I, uh, I have to know. Well, so we have, we have four different divisions. So we have an ad agency. We have a consulting business. We have a sales and training agency. And then we have a, like a CRM. And so when you break it up that way, it's not that many, I don't think. Um, but yeah, they're just doing tons of stuff. And it, it also is like, when you want to pull completely out of the business, you got to have sales reps, you got to have managers, Yeah. you got, you know, the big thing is managers because a lot of people forget you got to have managers, you pay money to kind of watch the team. Someone has to manage you. Yeah. Can, and if you don't want to do it, someone else has to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're doing doing all kinds of stuff. But I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, like even what I do now is I'm managing the managers. Like I'm training the managers who are kind of trickling down.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's
1: where most. I mean, that's where all my time goes now.
0: Yeah, your leadership style, though. I'm imagining like there's the Zoom. You maybe have them on a screen because it's just too much for the computer. Yeah, and you're like, what's going on? And <laughs> da 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 da. You're laughing. Yeah. I know that that's happening. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's <laughs> so do you
0: have high turnover? <laughs>
1: no, it's definitely happened. Honestly, no. I mean, honestly, no. I think. I think the like, even to be honest, like even most of the turnover we do have, it's comes from me. Like it comes from my decisions to let people go. Um, we really don't though. Cause I, I temper it out. Like I, I can get like that, but like deep down, like I have a good heart and I think a lot of people see that. And so they know it's coming from, we're not meeting our goals or expectations. I've also temp. I've also chilled way out since I started. I mean, <laughs> there's still some blowouts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect, but I think they're far and in between now compared to where they used to be. Also keep in mind, both of my brothers work for me. So mm-hmm. a lot of the blowouts would come from that because it's hard. The family dynamic can be difficult at times, right? Because it's like, Hey, I'm Aww. your boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen up over there. Yeah. The, <laughs> you're the boss, but they're also related to you. And so sometimes you know, those lines can get blurred where they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and you're like, Hey, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to let you go. And they're like, uh, you know, like they yeah. don't take it seriously. So there have been a few, but as I'm trying to continue to improve and lead from the front, I've realized that it, it, it needs to keep turning back out to being selfless. And then again, if I keep doing that and they're not responding, then whose fault is it mine for hiring them? Mm-hmm. Right. And so it always comes back on you. I think times where my tank is low, like energy wise, that's where I lash out, right? Like mm. you're just like, you know, it's almost Friday and you've just been grinding, like grinding and then yeah. there's something else happens or a client does this or, oh, Tanner, this happened, you know, those things can throw you off, but I've definitely gotten better over the years.
0: How many, how many hours a day do you spend working? Are you seven days? Are you Monday through yeah, Friday? Oh uh,
1: yeah. I mean, for the most part, I'd say, I'd say six to six and a half days a week, but I like it. And I had to sit with that for a while because when I hit my first million dollar month years ago, it was like 2019, I remember looking out across Miami and I was like, I got the car, got the penthouse, staying the girls, like, duh, duh. And I was like, and I feel miserable. Yeah. I remember thinking, I was like, damn, this sucks. Yeah. Um. So I kind of went on that journey of figuring out, you know, what's the meaning of life and all these other things. And for me, like uh, one of my friends, Alex, he just said, hey, you don't, know, you know, why, what, why are you trying to figure that out? I was like, well, I mean, why wouldn't I? He's like, but what, I mean, what if there is no me? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, what if you just like work? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, yeah. Like, is that okay with you? I was like, I guess. And so I'm not, I'm not, that might not work for everyone, that type of mindset. But I think for me, it helped to just be I like working Mm -hmm. and it's okay to like work and there's nothing wrong with you because you like it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just finding like, what's that balance for you? I enjoy work because for me, when I'm my happiest is I'm in the pursuit. Like I'm growing, I'm developing. That's why I love business so much because to your point at this point in my career, it's not about the next funnel or webinar. Like, I don't need that. I need to become the next person, like the Mm -hmm. person I'm supposed to become Mm -hmm. to be a better leader. Mm. Um, and that's, that's why I like it so much because I'm growing. I feel when I'm stagnant, I'm the least happy when I'm just sitting and I'm not progressing. I'm not pursuing, I'm not trying to grow. Um, and growth comes from like resistance, right? Like lifting, like your muscles grow from resistance, like emotionally, mentally, all those types of things. So even the things I'm going through right now, I'm not worried I'm going to get there. It's just when I will get there. I think the thing I worry about is the people I'm going to hurt along the way or like let down, but I know I'm going to get there.
0: What's the stopping point for you? Like, is there a dollar amount? Is there a lifestyle? Is Uh, it till death? Do you part?
1: Probably. Yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to go for the billion. I definitely want to go for the billion. And I have enough friends that are either billionaires already or are going to be billionaires. What
0: has to happen for you to get the billion?
1: Different. Well, one, one, the first thing is like becoming that person, which I think will happen. But two is like, it's got to be a different vehicle. Right. Because especially like, I've been super blessed to hit super high levels of income in the mark, like info marketing space, because it's about 30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Like if you can, if you get around 30 million a year, you're going to kind of peak out. And the reason is that the cost of acquisition goes up. The other reason it happens is because in the info marketing space, Sally's a one, George's a five, John's a 10. so, you know, George and John love you, Sally hates you, why? Sally has a lower level skill. You can't get the same outcome for the least of these. Mm. So the goal to become a billionaire from all the conversations I've had in the interviews is that you have to have a product that even the worst person can get the same result. And that is hard when you're doing consulting because they have to do some work. So no matter, like you could, I can say the same thing to 10 people, but they're all gonna do it differently, Mm. right? So I think that's the second thing is understanding that, I got to close to $2 million a month. And then we started to cap. And I'm like, well, what else do I got to do? And I started realizing I was putting in 100% more effort for 10% more results. I'm like, well, this isn't sustainable. Right. And then I started realizing after all the conversations I had with people, I'm like, hmm, what are, what's the similarities from these billion-dollar companies? Mm-hmm. And they all have the same things. Typically, if they're bootstrapped, so VC's different, VC capital is different because they're getting funding. But yeah. the bootstrap companies were internet marketing backgrounds, Mm -hmm. almost all of them. So they're very good at marketing, right? Then they mix it with a high ticket product. And remember, the product's very good, right? And the reason the product's good, it's high ticket. And then it's easy to know fulfillment. So if you think about it, what's things that are easy to know fulfillment? So I'll give you two examples. A guy I talked to named Justin Hartfield, he sold his company weed maps for like 1.6 billion. Mm -hmm. And it's weed. It's like Yelp for weed. So the product, everyone gets the same result. You go there, you look up stuff, da, da, da. And then what happens is the stores pay a fee to be listed. Right. So I'm like, there's no fulfillment and everyone gets the same result. Byte uh, was sold by Scott Cohen for like 1.2 billion or something in two years. And it's basically a competitor Invisalign, but his advantage was he was better at marketing. So Invisalign would say it was like a $2,000 cost of acquisition. His was 400. So he just crushed them. And if you think about it, you throw on the braces and you're done, right? And then maybe, I don't know if they had recurring for dental visits, but both of those guys just had, it It was like the perfect storm where they understand marketing. They mix it with a great product that has easy to know fulfillment. If you think about imagine your company, if all you had to do is sell, no fulfillment fulfillment. and you just sold and sold and sold. That's why those companies get so big. And so I'm working on that behind the scenes right now. I haven't like officially like publicly said what it is, but that's kind of what's been going on behind the scenes. And that's really the key right? There's a few, there's really only a couple ways to become a billionaire. You either do private equity, which is basically you're playing, excuse me, the long game of like averages. So a bunch of average companies, right? You invent something like Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, good luck. If you want to invent the next Facebook, you can do that. Or typically they'll say tech, but it doesn't have to be tech. It just has to be easy, low fulfillment. So typically what's going to fit the bill for that is tech, which is why a lot of people say that it's not because you have to, Mm -hmm. or it's going to be maybe a product, right? Products are harder, but you know, if you sell a protein bar I and mean, it's done, that's yeah. it. Right. It's just, it's harder because it's more competitive and margins and stuff like that. But that was kind of, I, I have it on my Facebook. It's pinned somewhere. Oh, it's pinned at the top, I think, but I, it's like 30 combos with billionaires and they weren't all billionaires. It was between 40 million to about, uh, like 4 billion. They sold their companies mm-hmm. and I'm telling you across the board, it's the same thing every time. Same thing. Same thing.
0: Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Last question for you.
1: Sure.
0: Um, you are starting from scratch Today. Yeah. Right. Based on not based on what the economy looked like and what entrepreneurship looked like when you started, but based on what it would take to start today. Mm-hmm. If you had to start all over one, what industry would you choose and how would you do it?
1: Mm, what industry would I choose? I honestly I'd probably I mean, if I had to start over, I would do the same thing I did. Mm hmm. Um, I wouldn't niche down. So like if it doesn't, I don't think it would matter. It would just need to be health, wealth, relationships. Yeah. It needs to be service-based because mm-hmm. everyone wants that. And then I would just start the same way I did. And I just start outreaching to people because it's a numbers game. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, but you're just avoiding the work that needs to be done. I, I mean, I got, I got on with a client the other day and I very rarely will do the fulfillment, but I got on with this client because they were struggling. They were doing 25 K a month. And I'm like, tell me about your day. They start telling me about their day. And I'm going, okay. So you want to quadruple your business in a month, but you're doing all the things that don't drive sales. So what drives sales? They're like, well, sales calls. I'm like, okay. What drives sales calls? Well, more leads getting set. I'm like, okay. So why don't you start doing that all day? And then all of a sudden she's doing 25K a week. So it's just, I think a lot of times people overcomplicate business. I do too, but realistically it's not that difficult it's just you need to do the work and so mm-hmm. i would do the same thing uh because i think anything else that i'm doing now you have to have those skills beforehand and i would to have the skills if i was mm-hmm. starting over now if i was starting over i had the skills now then i'd probably go the direction i'm going which is like kind of what i just discussed with you but if i didn't have those skills and i was starting from scratch like no skills no information never started a business i'd do the same thing i did because it all you need is a cell phone
0: all you need is a cell phone Yeah. There's no excuse to not make the money that you want today.
1: Yeah. And and like, I think a lot of people, the hard part is for me was that there's only two reasons you're not successful. You're either doing the wrong strategy or you Mm. suck at the strategy. Mm. Now, most people think it's a strategy. They just suck at it. That's the reality. So for me, what always got me confused is before I hired a coach is I would always be looking at different YouTubes and be going which is the right strategy. If you type in how to lose weight, you'll get 10 different articles that say 10 different diets. And that's, people go, oh, the information's free. I'm like, you're missing the point. Of course, the information's free. But is it the right information? Is it compiled in a way that's concise, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get through it quickly. You know, I don't value money at all. I value time. And it's just crazy how much people, how many years people will waste doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like, five years to get your business to X amount of level. I'm like, that's crazy to me. Crazy. So, well,
0: it's crazy knowing what we know now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but it's like people think it takes time to be successful. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's like digging a hole with a toothpick. Like I say this all the time. If you're digging a hole with a toothpick, you can do it as long as you want. It's never going to get there. Yeah. But if you have a shovel, it will. And a lot of people, it's crazy to me how they'll say, "Oh, I just need more time. I just need more time." I'm like, no, you don't. Like it's like if I built, if I did seventy million in four years, and there's people who've done even better than that, right? Why do you think it takes five years to get to ten grand? Like it just doesn't. And that's not to knock people. Like if you're happy, great. But I if think you're think it's not, conditioning. Yeah. I, I, I think, I just think that, I think we tell ourselves the stories we want to hear so we don't have to feel bad. Yeah, And I, I think you have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Like if it's my rule of thumb is if someone makes more than me, they know more than me in business. Whether that's true or not, that's my rule. Because if you don't think that way, you're not open to learning new things and you always think you're right. And that doesn't, that doesn't help you. The smartest people I know they always act like they know the least.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right.
1: Well, I don't remember the rule, but there's a sci- there's the, like the scientific law they talk about where that's true. So, yeah, I would do the same thing, um, as boring as it sounds. And and I think a lot of people don't do it because it is boring. It's the same thing every day, over and monotonous, and over, over and over again. But that's really all business is. You're just doing the same things. And businesses at scale, people think they need all these new stuff. It's like, no, you're doing the same thing faster. Yeah. That's it. Like, the difference between me doing 50K a month to where I was doing close to 2 million a month is we just spent $500,000 on ads versus $10,000 on ads. It,
0: mm-hmm.
1: They think there's some secret sauce or formula and just isn't, you know. So. Just
0: use the tools that were available to, at a higher yeah. level. Yeah. I love it. I would love for you to close us out. Our audience uh, is an audience of entrepreneurs, many who are just beginning their journey. Um, there are definitely some higher level entrepreneurs as well. hmm but if you could offer any words of advice based on what we discussed here in this episode sure. um, to the audience, I'll let you take that.
1: Sure. No, thank you so much. Yeah. So, I mean, the first as as boring as it sounds, there's only two things I usually say when people say, what would you have done different? The first thing is just just hire help sooner and just be OK to do it because you can't save your way to wealth. You have to make more money. So be OK to go to zero. Be OK to go into debt. It, it's you can always get another job. So that'd be number one. Then number two is just don't quit because as long as you don't quit, you can't fail. That's, mm-hmm. that's the reality. And so maybe for someone, it'll take them 10 years. Maybe someone else will take it five. Maybe someone else will takes a month. But I'm so glad I didn't quit because as long as you don't quit, what happens is every door you open, you go, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And failure is a prerequisite to success. Everyone tries so hard to not fail that they forget that you have to fail. Yeah. Like you have to. You will not get there without making mistakes. as part of the game. So just fail faster Um, and then the other thing is that if anyone's watching this, usually obviously like I sell a bunch of consulting, but we have the biggest issue I see with most entrepreneurs is that they just don't know how to talk in DMS. Like that's also sales calls, but mostly DMS. So anyone who's watching this, um, if they find my Instagram and they just DM me like full transparency or something, I'll just send them over like at least a free course that they can take like with that um as like kind of like a I guess thank you for watching if they watch this episode or like watching your podcast but that that would be like the two things is like on the mental side like don't quit hire help sooner and then on a more practical side like maybe that will help them and it's completely free it's not like they have to pay for it but that's I have a lot of free stuff now to try to like get out there and help people and that's I I enjoy that
0: I have one follow-up question to the advice that you gave because this question is one of the top questions that I get Sure. You said hire sooner. Yeah. Who do you hire first?
1: Okay, so this is very simple, actually. Mm -hmm. So I actually, this drives me nuts and I train my team on this because if you're in a room and there's 10 business coaches and they all basically do the same thing, which is what most people say, oh, it's all similar. I say, okay, so how would you decide? Mm -hmm. There's only three things you're looking at. So one is experience. Experience means how much have they made and how long have they been in business? You have to know logically if someone's been in business longer or they've made more, they probably will know more things to do because they've been up against more failures and struggles. So I look at experience. Number two is specificity. So you're not going to hire Tiger Woods to teach you golf, or excuse me, you would hire Tiger Woods to teach you golf. You want to hire Tiger Woods to teach you tennis, Mm -hmm. just like you wouldn't hire maybe Roger Federer to teach you golf. So specificity matters. So if someone's super rich, but they do real estate and you're doing fitness, I'm not saying they can't help you. But is that gun to your head, that's your choice? I don't think so. So you look at that, and then the third one's attention. So I always say, if you could talk to Bill Gates for five minutes or you could talk to Bill Gates team for three hours, what would you take? I mean, I'm talking to his team for three hours. I don't need to talk to him for five minutes. So if someone's really struggling, I say, look, instead of getting on a bunch of sales calls where all the sales reps are going to tell you they're the best because that's their job to tell you they're the best and they want to make commission. I mean, this is why I don't even take sales calls anymore. Like if Mm -hmm. I want to buy something from you, I'll just message you, send me the link, I'll pay. Mm Because there's no, like, I don't, it doesn't matter what your sales guy says because I don't even know if it's good anyways. Yeah. So. Compare everyone on those three things and then pick the person that's the highest on those three things. And I promise you, 80% of the time, that will be a better option versus Googling and reviews and going to Facebook groups and all this other nonsense that people do. I find it's a complete waste of time and it's highly inaccurate of the quality of the program, typically.
0: Well, and I meant for the business owner. When we're talking about hiring staff, oh, I'm so and sorry. And that was good. It's no, totally that that it. was really good. Well, hopefully, it helps someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: okay. So hiring staff, like who do you, you
0: hire first? You're perfect. You're... Okay. I'm yeah. so sorry.
1: Okay. I'm so glad you. You're you a solopreneur. Yeah. You've got
0: some traction. You're doing, you know, ten grand a month. Maybe. Yeah. Even, maybe let's say five grand a month. Okay. You're doing five grand a month. Would you hire? Would you tell your client to hire at five grand a month? No. Okay. So
1: for me, and I'll just just my personal experience, I didn't hire until I was doing twenty to thirty k a month. But I was maxed out. Like, I was completely maxed out. So the first thing I hired is I said, what is the, if I want to scale more, what is the least important task to scaling? And I'm not saying it's not important and you need to be ethical, but it's really fulfillment. Because no matter how good my fulfillment is, they already paid, right? So I was like, what do I need to do to drive more sales? I need more sales calls and I need more leads and I'm the best at it, right? And that's what's gonna drive the company. So what I did is I hired a coach, got all the clients off my plate and then I maxed out my sales and my setting until I couldn't, then I hired two setters. Mm -hmm. And then once I maxed that out, then I hired a sales rep. So in order, my first four hire was coach, setter, setter, sales rep. Mm -hmm. And people need to remember the number one most important thing you can do to drive revenue is sales calls. You, I mean, even if you had the worst product on earth, as long as you keep making sales, you'll stay in business. You'll lose, you'll go out of business if you stop making sales. And so I'm not, that's not to go say, go make a terrible product. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's less important than sales. And so you have to prioritize at the beginning. Now, later down the road, when you build, you know, if you're at the seven or eight figure level, yes, you need to make a better product because the more people who continue to sign up, that helps you keep the business safer. But for me, it was a coach. Hundred percent. It was a coach, or like, a, like a to success director. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's the most time consuming. Yeah, it's the most time consuming as well.
0: Yeah, I've loved this conversation. Yeah,
1: likewise, you asked very good questions. I, I'm very glad I came out here. Thank you so much.
0: So am I, and I can't wait to come onto your platform. Yeah. We'll have to make yeah. that happen very soon. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you have heard from eight figure entrepreneurs, soon to be nine figure entrepreneur. Well, you're probably there already. I'm getting there. You're almost there. Yeah,
1: I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. It's it's a work in progress. So, but yeah, I'm I'm getting there. That's the goal. I I don't think that will be hard to hit. Yeah. You know, especially before I die, if you're looking that long. But like the 10, I'm going for the bill. see if I can hit it.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first. We have affirmed it. Yeah. It is. It is. It's it's an affirmation on the vision board. (laughs) It has been marked. And we'll come back and celebrate this episode when you make that happen. (laughs) Um, How do we find you on social?
1: Yeah, so just go to I think IG is the best, tanner.chidister. and then like I was saying earlier if someone if they watch this just like DM me full transparency, I'll know you came from here. I'll know to hook you up with some free stuff and yeah. like I'm very active, so.
0: So we will do both. You'll see the links uh to Tanner's pro <laughs> to Tanner's. Good <laughs> Jesus. You'll see the links to Tanner's profile and the keyword to DM him so you can get all the free stuff that mm-hmm. he has to give you in the description of wherever you are watching this. Don't forget, if you're looking for mentorship, check out my community, Actionable CEO would love to have you. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye.